0: from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And like a parent who gives birth to children, he aspires to enjoy a relationship with the people he created. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. When addressing Greeks, instead of quoting the Hebrew scripture, Paul quotes well-known Greek poets, For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Logically, if humans are God's offspring, the implication is that God must be a personal being, as we are. The underlying principle is that the cause must be equal to the effect. The source of human life must have at least the same capacities that humans have. Therefore, the Creator cannot be a thing or a substance. We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone—an allusion to the idols familiar to the Athenians. In fact, the origin of human life cannot be anything that humans have created. It cannot be an image made by human design and skill. After making sure his Greek audience understands who God is, only then does Paul take them to the moral implications. If a personal God created us as personal beings, then it's logical to conclude that we stand in a personal relationship with Him. In fact, we have a moral obligation to Him, owing Him respect and fidelity, just as human offspring have an obligation to honor the parents who brought them into the world. Moreover, because honoring God is a moral obligation, failure to fulfill that obligation constitutes a moral fault, an ethical breach. We are guilty of breaking a cosmic law, and the proper response is to heal the breach, what the Bible calls repentance. Now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And God has sent Jesus as both Savior and Judge, giving evidence of his identity by raising him from the dead. He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by a man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Notice that it is only after laying the groundwork of who God is, who we are, and our relationship to him that Paul explains sin and guilt, Then Jesus and the resurrection. Evangelicals often put things backwards, seeking to persuade people of their sin when they have no idea yet what the term means. Small wonder that the typical response to their message is Don't call me a sinner. Why do I owe this God anything? Besides, I'm not even sure God exists. As you read this book by Greg Kokel, you will find your perspective gently being reoriented. He helps you to put first things first, enabling you to perceive how reasonably and cogently everything fits together and falls into place. The Christian worldview is logically coherent. Each principle follows the one that went before, like an expertly composed symphony or a carefully crafted storyline. Do not be fooled by the simplicity of Kokel's presentation. He is a careful craftsman whose clear, lucid prose sounds almost as if he's telling a once-upon-a-time story. But his point is just the opposite. The Bible is not a fairy tale crafted by ancient people to give a sense of meaning to life. It is an account of reality. He calls it a story only because, amazingly, it turns out that reality itself is structured like a great drama. It has a beginning and an end. It features struggle between good and evil. It reaches a climax and then resolves into a denouement and a finale. The cosmos is not just a succession of brute facts. It is the plotline of a grand story that God is telling through the verifiable events of history. Because of Kokel's transparent prose, you may be tempted to read this book quickly. Resist that temptation. In reality, he is communicating the same complex ideas that theologians and philosophers present through polysyllabic terms and labyrinthine paragraphs. You will learn about some of the most intractable debates that have filled scholarly textbooks for centuries, but you will do so with the ease and pleasure of reading a novel. Kokel makes the plot line of biblical history come alive. This is a book that begs to be read slowly and savored. I will end with another saying from Francis Schaeffer.